Well, good morning again. I do have one announcement that I intentionally neglected to make earlier. I wanted to save it until right before the lesson time for a reason that will become very clear in a minute. This morning, what I'm going to do is really personal to me. If you were here last week, you heard me make an announcement about our family's trip to Haiti. And I have the poster back in the corner again with us this week with the cards of the children that are at the orphanage that our grandson is at. And there's a card for every child that hasn't been taken yet. There was 30, There's 31 children there at the orphanage. And again, if you would like to help provide for the Vacation Bible School and the work project, the crafts, the supplies, the refreshments, t-shirts, things that we're going to be providing for them, some medical supplies, you can make a one-time gift. We're not asking anybody to sponsor a child monthly. It's just a one-time gift of any amount. The suggested amount was $40, and you can take a card and pray for that child. Terry has an actual list of all the children's names, so you can match up the card with a name with her, but it's against the rules to write their name on the card. But she can tell you the name of the child, and you can be praying specifically for for them. For those of you who already have given, we thank you and we really appreciate the help. All the expenses of the trip individually, the plane tickets and all that have been provided uh, by the people going themselves, but we're just looking for a little help with the, allowing some people to participate. Thank you again. We really appreciate the help. As you would expect, this adoption is a big event in the life of our family, and it's been on our minds for a lot for the last several years. So this morning, I chose the topic of adoption to study in our time together. And I'm going to be sharing some personal information about our daughter and son-in-law's adoption process, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus, and more important, is we're going to see the bigger picture of adoption as it relates to God and His adopting us into His family. Hopefully this will help every one of us more appreciate what God has and is doing in our lives. So in all reality, when you think about it, adoption is the heart of the gospel. It's what the gospel is all about. God could have used many different ways to express His plan of redemption to us, but He sovereignly used the term adoption to convey His plan of salvation to us. And I'm not going to go through, like I normally do, a particular passage verse by verse this morning, but what I want to do is look at three different texts of Scripture and draw some similarities between an earthly adoption and God's adopting us. We're going to look at verses in Ephesians 1, Galatians 4, and Romans chapter 8. So I want to begin in Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to be turning there. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses... 3 through 5 of Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll see the first similarity that I see in adoption on earth versus adoption spiritually through with God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 begins, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will. The first similarity I see in adoption in this verse is that the initiative 
of adoption takes place by the one doing the adopting. Just like the prospective adoptive parent initiates the adoption process of a child, God is the initiator in our adoption in the same way. The child doesn't say, I want to be adopted and I'm going to look for the perfect adoptive parent, does he? No, the initiative is taken by the one who decides to adopt. Our daughter and son-in-law, Angie and Emil, decided to adopt almost four years ago. They prayerfully thought, they discussed this with each other and the Lord, and the Lord led them to seek an international adoption. And when you think about this, this is so different than the way many couples decide to have children. Many do plan their families. They make decisions to wait a few years or X amount of years after they get married before they start trying to get pregnant. Some just let it happen. They take the attitude that if and when it happens, it happens. But many others don't plan children at all. Some call them accidents. Of course, there are no accidents in God's eyes. All children are a gift from God. But in adoption, there is always a specific purposeful planning that enters into the picture. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we see this in God's sovereign plan of adoption for us. Verse 4 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That's an amazing statement. Before the first mountains were made, before the first drop of water was placed into the ocean, before the stars were thrown into the sky, before the sun or the clouds or any of the animals or plants were made, before any of creation was spoken into existence, God had already chosen us to be redeemed. God predestined us to be adopted into His family. This is purposeful and this is God taking the initiative. As I said, Angie and Amos started their adoption process almost four years ago. Before they knew his name, they were praying for him. Jorgensen is four now, almost five. He wasn't even one year old when they began this process. They began in Ethiopia, actually, in September of 2013. Through a series of events, they were led to Haiti in August of 2014. And when you think about this, you know that God knew before this little boy was born who it would that would become his adoptive parents. He had purposed in his heart before the foundation of the world all who would become his adoptive children. He is the one who took the initiative just like every adoptive parent does. Now turn back a page or two in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. I want to read verses 4 through 7 of Galatians chapter 4. Paul here to the Galatians says in verse 4, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In this passage, we see more similarities between an earthly adoption and our spiritual adoption. Next, we're going to see a similarity in the timing of an adoption. Specifically, we see that the adoption process is all on God's timing. Verse 4 says, in the fullness of time. 
that reminds me, it reminds us that everything is on God's timetable. The question asked the most about an adoption, somebody always says, why does it take so long? I don't know the answer to that. I told some people last year, if you remember, a hurricane went through Haiti, and I told a lot of people that I was praying that the hurricane would blow all the papers off the desk and the judge would put them back up and Jorgensen's would be on top. (laughs) We continue to pray, Lord, speed up the process. But God's timing is perfect, isn't it? Jesus didn't come to the world until the exact religious, cultural, and political conditions were exactly where God wanted them. Then He sent Jesus into the world. Even in our own adoption, every one of us has a testimony of how God brought us to Himself at just the right time, using the right circumstances and people and events in our lives that we would be ready and be prepared. Every earthly adoption is the same. God's plan God's timing is perfect. He knows better than us when it's the right time. Who are we to suppose that we know better than God? I know I get impatient. We all get impatient. We think that little boy is missing out. He always needs to be here by the time school starts, whatever it is. Do we really believe, though, in the sovereignty of God and His perfect timing? Then we need to submit our timetable to the Lord. He knows much better than us the timing when it's right. Another similarity I see in these verses in earthly adoption and spiritual adoption is that there are qualifications that have to be met. Verse 4 goes on to say that when the time was right, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So I see here in these verses that there are qualifications that need to be met. The one taking the initiative to adopt has to be qualified. When Angie and Emil began the process, they had to decide what country that they would adopt from. Every country has its own rules. Some require that you have no other biological children. Some require that you have to have other children, but not more than a certain amount. Some require that you be married five years, some ten years, or you cannot be older than a certain amount or younger than a certain amount. There are financial requirements, background checks, on and on it goes. Every country has their own set of qualifications and they're all different. But they have to be met in order to qualify. And there were some qualifications that had to be met in our adoption into God's family. Verse 4 says again that in the fullness of time God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who are under the law. It says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. Why did He send His Son? Because Jesus was the only one qualified to adopt us. We needed what? An unblemished, sinless sacrifice had to be met. Why was He born of a woman? Why is that stated here? He had to be born of a woman. He had to be fully God for a sacrifice to be infinitely worthy, but He also had to be fully man so that He could take on the penalty for our sin. He fulfilled perfectly every aspect of the law that qualified Him to become that perfect, unblemished sacrifice. That righteousness, His righteousness, is what is imputed to those who believe in Him. Through Christ, all the qualifications of our adoption were met. Another similarity I see is in verse 5. So that He might redeem those who were under the law. I want to draw your attention here to the truth that in adoption there's a costly price to be paid. 
that he might redeem those who were under the law. What does it mean to redeem something? What's the word redeem mean? Buy back. There's a, there's a purchase involved. I'm sure you're all aware that adoption is costly. Anybody know how costly? Anybody want to take a guess? How much do you think a, an adoption costs? 20, 30, 25. You're all close. A domestic adoption averages $24,000 average. An international adoption averages close to $40,000. Angie and Amel are somewhere around $37,000 right now. It's no small investment to adopt a child. And it's not covered by insurance the way going to the hospital and having a baby would be in a natural pregnancy. It's also costly in other ways. Many children who are adopted have health problems, need really special care when they first get here. Many of them have health concerns, dental problems, things that have gone untreated, and it takes months or even years in some cases to really be devoted to these issues when they first get the child. I'm especially mindful of those that adopt children with disabilities. Not only is it costly financially, but emotionally and physically. It can be very draining, very taxing. Actually, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the fact that all children are costly, aren't they? (laughs) Now, these things I'm talking about are also true of biological children, as you are aware. That's why many people today are choosing not to have children. If you look at what's gone on, a lot of people today are choosing not to have children. They're choosing not to go through the emotional and physical and financial challenges that children bring into your life. But adoption is especially costly to parents today. But so it is to God as well. How is our adoption costly? What did it cost for our adoption? Christ's death. That's the main thing, isn't it? It cost Jesus a lot, not just physical, but let's talk about the physical death on the cross. Actually, I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me sick to talk about the crucifixion of Christ. It makes me sick at my stomach to think what he went through on the cross. But it's not just physical. There's an emotional cost, as Dennis said. Think a minute about the emotional pain that he went through. Do you remember the words he cried out right before he died? I think about a few different things he said, but what's particularly coming to my mind were the Aramaic words, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachini. I'm sure I butchered that. But it's an Aramaic phrase that translates, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I can't really even get my head around what Christ went through in these moments. The anguish when he said those words was not from the lacerations on his back. It was not the pain of the thorns piercing his head. It wasn't the nails in his hands and feet that caused him to cry out these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? No, it was the abandonment of God in that moment. Because he took on the sin of our transgressions. For the first and only time in all eternity, Jesus felt the separation of fellowship of His heavenly Father as God had to turn His back on Him at that moment. And that's no easy thing to understand. I'm not going to pretend that I understand that. I read somewhere that Martin Luther, in trying to understand this, went into seclusion for a long time trying to understand this mystery and he came away as confused as ever. 
So I don't want to pretend to really understand what Jesus went through, but I know one thing, that agony was great. There was an extreme cost to our adoption, to your adoption, to my adoption. And that brings up another point as I thought about this of a similarity that I see in adoption, and that is the resolve that it takes. It's amazing how much one has to go through to get an international adoption to see it all the way through. As I said, it's been four years since Angie and Emil began that. If you want to read about this process, she's blogged about it, and you can read about it at balticadoption.com. But it's taken a lot of resolve. It's amazing that people don't just give up along the way and just quit. Do you know that they've had to get just a simple thing like fingerprints? They've had to do it seven or eight times. <laughs> they have to be updated every six months. They have to go and get re-fingerprinted. They've had to update other paperwork several times. And besides the initial stack of stuff that they had to fill out and complete and write about, they've had to update a lot of that along the way. There's been background checks, home studies, caseworker meetings, medical stuff, write a check for this, send them that, go get fingerprinted again, now wait, keep waiting, buy plane tickets, get shots, go visit for two weeks, meet the child, fall in love with the child, go home, say goodbye, be depressed, go home, go get fingerprinted again, do some more paperwork, go get fingerprinted again. It's ridiculous the resolve it takes to continue on in this process now that's going on four years. Our adoption into God's family took resolve too, especially on the part of Jesus. We talked about what all He went through on our behalf, and as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of what He went through in the garden when He was praying and He prayed to the Father. He said, If it be possible, take this cup from me. What anguish He must have felt as He prayed those words. And the Bible says that His sweat was as what? Drops of blood. What resolve he had to have to carry through with everything he knew that he had to endure. But after these words, he went on to say what? Nevertheless, not my will, but God's will be done. Thank God for Christ's resolve to see it through. Let me read verses 4 through 6 again, and I'm going to share another similarity I see. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 6 again. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Another similarity that I see in earthly adoption versus the spiritual adoption is that there's a change of status that takes place. In our being adopted as sons, there were legal realities that had to be met. God's own justice and law required that sin had to be punished. Righteousness was required. God had to satisfy His own justice, His own law, in order for us to be adopted. And this had to be done before any of the joys of sonship could happen. That means our status had to change. This is true in adopting children today as well. There's a legal status change that takes place in adoption. In our grandson's adoptions, currently, when you look at the process and where they're at, he's right now at the process of in the 30-day wait period before what they call parquet. And parquet is basically a court proceeding where a judge will issue the final decree that makes him legally their child. When that's complete, he will legally be their child. He can have his name changed on the birth certificate. 
and he will become de Jorgensen Pierre Baltic, if that's what they keep his name as. I don't even know. He still won't be able to leave the country. There's still passports to be issued, visa paperwork, and probably months and months of stuff that will have to happen, but he will be legally theirs at that point. And the adoption process would never be completed if this step didn't happen. And there's privileges and joys that come with this status change. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking back. We have a friend in Kentucky that by a strange set of circumstances ended up keeping a little Chinese girl in their home for many years. She was not legally theirs, but it was like she was. They made all the decisions for her. They were financially responsible. They treated her like their own child. They wanted to adopt her, but for many years the legal parents would not sign over their rights. So they just continued on and, and as it was. And I remember them worrying that something would happen and they would have to give her up because either the parents or the grandparents back in China would show up and take them from her because she was not legally theirs. The legal status change is very important to the adoption and it's not complete without it. It's one of the most important steps in integrating a child into the family and it's a crucial step of being adopted and to God's family as well. Galatians says that because we are now adopted as sons, God has sent forth His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And you don't want to read over that lightly. The adoption precedes the experience of becoming affectionate sons. We reap the benefits because we are now adopted. Being adopted by God is no insignificant thing. Our status changes. We're now legitimate sons and daughters, children of the living God. We go from being children of Satan to children of the living God. Our names are not written on a birth certificate. They're written in the book of life, which is much more important. There are other changes that happen in adoption besides the legal status change. There's a change in the family status. When a child is adopted, his family status changes. Many times when a child is adopted, he goes from being an orphan, from living in an orphanage with many other children and a few nanny workers, to living in a family with two parents and maybe a sibling or two. Their family status changes quite abruptly. They now have a mommy and a daddy, a father and a mother that can look to them for personal affection, for love, for provision, protection, comfort, for relationship. And when you think about it, many of them come from homes that were not ideal. Many were abandoned. In Haiti, many of the children are given up because the families just can't afford to, eat, to feed them. I was thinking about China. Many of the girls were given up because of the one-child policy and they wanted a male to carry on the name. In Africa, many of them were orphans because of the parents died from AIDS. Other war-torn countries result in children living on the streets. Many of these kids are abused or have gone hungry. There's usually just a general lack of affection and love in their life because of the fact that they're in an orphanage with just a few workers and no individual attention. And now, through adoption, they have been given a loving, nurturing family. What a change that takes place in these child's lives. And so it is in God's adopting us into His family. We are now in the family of God where no one is abandoned, where the one who loves perfectly is now their father. Where God himself provides, protects, comforts, gives us everything we need to flourish and mature. Verse 6 says, We are given the spirit of his son and we cry out, Abba, Father. What's Abba, Father mean? 
We've all heard it. It's a term of endearment. And they even use it today. It means daddy. It's like saying daddy. It would be like saying for us to be calling our father daddy. Verse 7 tells us that we went from being slaves or servants to full-fledged children. Now I want to play something for you. It's like a... You have to pay attention because it's like a two-second video. (laughs) And listen to this. You can't probably see it, but hopefully you can hear it. You hear that? You want to hear it again, right? You hear that? You got the point. I love you, Mommy and Daddy. You got the point. Doesn't that melt your heart? The little child longs for a mommy and daddy. God has already began a work on him to give him an affection for his parents that he's only met for two weeks. God gives us, his adopted sons, this same affection for himself. If you don't have a childlike affection like this for your heavenly father, then you may need to examine whether or not you're really saved or not. Galatians 4, 6 says that because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Although Jorgensen has a longing for a family, for a mommy and a daddy, he doesn't have that experience of sonship yet. Just the longing for it. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. It's the last passage I want to look at. Romans chapter 8. I want to read to you verses 15 and 16 of Romans chapter 8. Paul tells the Romans, he says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. When God adopts us into His family, we are no longer alone. We are in a family, His family. And He pours out His Spirit into our hearts to embrace us as sons. Again, the word Abba was not used in the Jewish culture to refer to God up until this point. When Jesus used it, this was something new and shocking to the disciples. It is the spirit of adoption that allows us to feel the affections of belonging to God's family. An adopted child does not get out the adoption papers and the new birth certificate surmise that, okay, these are my parents. I've probably told you before that my dad adopted me. I remember when Terry came across my original birth certificate, we were already married, and she saw it in my baby book, and the name was Michael Stephen Vault. And she was shocked. (laughs) I hadn't even thought to mention that I was adopted. It never entered my mind. (laughs) I had a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. I had a family. I didn't need to look at a birth certificate that had been changed to read Mitchell to know that I was adopted. No, a spirit invades and permeates the relationship so that it bears this truth out to them. I never knew my biological father. He left the scene long before I was ever born and he never claimed me. My mom remarried a few years later and sometime after that my father legally adopted me. My name was changed to Mitchell and that was the end of that. I know some people want to know more and they search out their biological parents and they want to establish a relationship but I never had that desire. 
my dad was the only dad I knew. He loved me like his own. He treated me the same and didn't even think, I just didn't think much about it. Because the family atmosphere and the spirit that permeated our family bore out that I was a Mitchell. I was loved and accepted. I was an important part of the family. So there's a status change legally. There's a status change in family. And there's also another change that happens. There's a change in future. The direction of the adoptee's life will never be the same again. Their whole path, the direction of their life, will be completely different than it was before the adoption. I think sometimes about how much our new grandson's life is going to change by being adopted into his new family. Now, no one knows the future, but I know it's going to be very different than it would have been. A child in Haiti's life expectancy is 17 years less than Americans, not to mention the quality of life. A child in an orphanage that does not get adopted has to leave at 18. They usually end up on the street on their own at that point. They don't have a very good chance at getting a good education or a decent job. Their life by any standard will be very tough and difficult. Compare that to the opportunity that they will have in a Christian family here in the States. They'll get educated, a chance for college, job opportunities, involved in church, the ability to live in peace and comfort and have a life that they would never have dreamed about. Isn't that same change in future multiplied by a million? It's what it's like to be adopted into God's family. In what ways does our future change? Open it up. Eternity. Heaven instead of hell. That's, that's a big one. How about peace with God instead of wrath and uncertainty and anguish? The love instead of hate, fellowship. Think just of the fruits of the Spirit. When you think about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, versus what the opposites of those were. A church family. Purpose in living. Our whole future, my whole future changed because of what Christ did in my life. Everything about it. My purpose in living and where I was going just made a 180 degree turn and went a different direction. That's a similarity that we have between an earthly adoption and our adoption into God's family. There's another change that goes along with a change in future and that's a change in our inheritance. Look at Romans 8 again. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now verse 17, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Think about that. We're now heirs of God. An adopted child goes from having no inheritance to being a legal heir of his new parents. He has an equal share with the other siblings, whether they're biological kids or adopted children. The same share. He or she has the same rights. A child of God is now an heir of the Almighty Creator God. And it goes on to say a joint heir with Jesus. What determines the value of an inheritance? It's the worth of the one doing the bequeathing, right? Many of us are heirs to a lot. Some of us to very little or nothing in the earthly possessions, but God's resources are unlimited, both physically and spiritually. In earthly terms, possessions are divided up in inheritance and each heir will get a portion. But in God's math, 
He's not bound by limits and each heir will get a full inheritance and he will be fellow heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ receives by right, we will receive by grace. Joint heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. could do a whole lesson or a series of lessons on this, just this point. But in conclusion, what was my goal in this lesson? My goal here was... First of all, for us to continue on in supporting adoptions. And I say continue on because I think Lakeside does that well. I think our church and the people of this church do that very well. You can see it firsthand by looking around the congregation in our church. And you see the diversity that's happening because of adoption. And I want us to encourage our children, our grandchildren to adopt, to help financially support those who make this choice, to pray for the families and the children because it's no easy thing. But secondly, and more importantly, I hope this has helped us to take a fresh new look at our own adoption into God's family. Just like an orphan child who only has a longing but no ability to make it happen, God, because of His love for us, took the initiative in seeking us out and bringing us into His family. And I want us to appreciate the cost involved, the resolve that Christ had in fulfilling God's plan of redemption. If you think the red tape of an earthly adoption is long and frustrating, and it is, just remember it's only red tape. It's not stained by the red blood of Christ. That's what the cost was for our adoption. I want us to be renewed in our appreciation for the change He's brought into our lives by rescuing us from death and despair of sin, for bringing us into the loving arms of His family and giving us a new future, an unimaginable inheritance that we can enjoy, not just in eternity, but now. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You. We thank You for all those that You've put upon their heart in our congregation to adopt. We pray for the challenges that they have gone through and are going through in adopting. And Father, we thank You for their resolve to do Your will in their lives. May we all continue to support and pray and uplift those that make that decision. But more importantly, Father, we thank you for adopting us into your family, for taking the initiative, Father, for on our own we would never have come into your family. It is only by your grace and mercy that any of us end up there. And we thank you for that. We thank you for what Christ did, the cost that he paid physically and emotionally, to fulfill all the requirements, Father, and to see it to the end and willingly lay down His life for us. Father, we just thank You for the change and status it is for us to be a child of Yours, to be able to call You Daddy, to, Father, just to run to You like an earthly son would to their parent. Father, we can run to You and You never turn us away. Father, we thank You for this and we just want to continually be grateful and thankful and may it impact us in a way that causes us to live in such a way as to be a better child, to be more like our brother, Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.